0: Welcome to another Blue Jay Beat Wrap-Up Show, featuring White whiteandbluereview.com's Matt DiMaranis.
1: Good evening, uh, Creighton fans. I'm this is Matt DiMaranis from White and Blue Review, sitting here with John Neatawa from the Omaha World-Herald uh, after Creighton's 109-72 win over Alcorn State. Um, Jays moved to 2-0 on the season, finished an opening weekend they get two games in three days and score a ton of points in the process. Um, I guess, John, you can start off, I guess, what are your overall impressions, maybe of the whole weekend put together, not necessarily um, just tonight, or if you just wanted to comment on what you saw tonight, if there was anything that stood out, maybe different than Friday.
0: Different than Friday. Um, You know, not a ton. I mean, obviously we all saw the first half. It was sloppy. Mm-hmm. Um, disjointed from Creighton offensively at least and defensively too I mean the players and coach McDermott um, mentioned after the game that they weren't as locked into the plan the scouting report the player tendencies from the opposing team as they were on Friday so but that was kind of expected honestly I thought that a yeah,
1: short turnaround kinda a, sh- made that.
0: a short turnaround against a team that you know you're going to beat like yep. you can just take the court and you're going to beat them Um, That was going to lead to some mental focus issues, and so they had to kind of work their way through that in the first half against Alcorn State. But, I mean, when Creighton is locked in and really moving the ball offensively, creating for others and getting good shots, like it's – they're going to score a lot of points. I mean, they they had a stretch against Yale, I feel like, where they made 9 of 11 shots to begin – I think it was to begin the second half, and then in the second half tonight against Alcorn State, they – I think they hit Standard, seven yeah, seven or eight yeah. shots in a row that was like a 20 part of the twenty zero run and then they kept it going after that mm-hmm. but they were I mean they were getting good looks and creating um good offense so I think that was to me it's that's probably the biggest takeaway for me after these the first two games is like I I do think Creighton's gonna be one of the again gonna be one of the more dynamic explosive uh efficient offenses in the country like they lost obviously a guy like Justin Patton who could put pressure on the rim and I don't think they ever really figured out how to play without Maurice that that, at least that group of team that group of guys from a year ago Uh, but they still lost them they lost uh that that presence and they lost two veteran shooters um they and Zach Hansen. so I, I like I didn't know what it was going to look like or how it was going to all fit together, but after two games, I feel pretty confident saying that. Yeah, there are going to be some nights where it doesn't all click, and it's um, it's a struggle for the Jays. But I do think on the whole, uh, they their their identity is built around an offense that likes to move, push pace, and um, put up a bunch of shots. And I think they're going to be pretty good at that.
1: For sure. And my main my main takeaway, I guess, would be. Uh... More centered towards Alcorn State tonight, but just the fact that Creighton had to play nearly 18 minutes without Kyrie or Marcus on the floor at the same time. And I don't think that's something. I certainly didn't expect to see that. Obviously, it was because of foul trouble, but I think I was interested to see how they would play without those two, should something happen, whether one of them has to sit out a game with an injury or missing an extended period or things like that. Would they have enough firepower to make up for it? And, uh,. I mean, tonight they were plus 14 in those 17 and a half minutes without those two on the floor. And I think, yeah, I understand it's against Alcorn State, but that has to do something for the rest of the group, maybe confidence-wise, to know that it's not necessarily panic time when those two aren't on the floor or aren't available, really, because you know Greg McDermott has a history of, you know, if you get two first-half fouls, you're pretty much sitting the rest of the way. Um, So to know that those guys weren't going to be options the rest of the half and to still finish the first half with a twenty-six to fourteen run, to kind of spread the game out. Really, they they, they created their cushion with Mark Kyrie and Marcus on the bench.
0: The initial cushion. Yeah. The it was it, it was a one point game after Marcus fouled that three point shooter. Yep. Hit three free throws. The cream was up by one, but you know, at, at halftime it was thirteen. So that it's I mean it, it's commendable, but again alcorn state yeah the the, the sample
1: the sample isn't gonna tell very much but it's still the first test they had i mean if i were
0: alcorn i honestly would have got out of the zone after After those guys went out because drivers are gone right exactly the guys who can really break you down one-on-one uh that that threat isn't there as much i mean it's still there because great has some good athletes obviously Mm -hmm. but um but yeah that's a moot point it wouldn't matter honestly Alcorn state not very good
1: no but that was uh that was Tyler Clement time because everything was kind of chaotic and if there's one guy that we know for sure um, his role is as a calming effect you know on the floor then can still run things and keep keep it high octane but keep it controlled maybe uh, Alcorn state had organized chaos on the back of their warm-ups tonight maybe that's what Tyler can do for Creighton I guess he can come in and organize things but they can still get up and down um, Alcorn state just seemed to be total chaos and I don't know if much of it was organized uh, but I thought he had really good minutes of kind of helping the players that the, some of the younger guys that were being a little bit over aggressive and you know just running over people and getting charges and creating all the whistle happy basketball that we got to see for the first twenty minutes. Um, he was and him and Ronnie Harrell, I think really helped Creighton break down that zone piece by piece and kind of see how to attack it. You know, going into the middle in, inside it out, um, kind of piecing it into piecing it up a little bit and then you know, creating open shots on the wings and things like that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it all comes down to ball movement. I think Ronnie, we both talked to him after the game and he said something about if you get it into the high post, it's that, I mean, it increases your chances for success, but especially tenfold. with a guy like him who yeah, can also know.
1: create and be a big buck.
0: Well, right. He has the ability to see over the mm-hmm. defense and, and get to the rim. If there's a pathway, he can hit that jump shot. If he wants to take it. I think the Toby had a nice, a couple nice plays catching at the high post too. Mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, yeah, both of those guys. I think if if Kyrie's in the game, that's probably one of his roles is to catch. He might he, may, he might be a guy who catches it at the high post as well. But um, I think Max said short corner, high post. That's those are the two places on the floor they want the ball to touch or to get the ball to because uh, the way that the defense will react and um, sort of contort itself, it'll free things up uh, for your offense. But they struggled to do that early on. I think they were just yeah, I don't know. They, it, they it, it also looked like it was the first time they'd seen zone. <laughs> it yeah, was, it was. So, yeah. I mean, they
1: had practiced a lot against it. They, they had up to Yale, which was weird because it seemed like they'd kind of gotten a good handle on it. And then, as soon as, I mean, of course, it wasn't playing the same zone that they were practicing against. But I mean, it was kind of like an extended two-three, um, and then maybe they would switch some man to it. This was like a matchup. It was kind of, it was kind of weird. It, it wasn't was. really a consistent look for Creighton, but. I've, they pretty, they got a pretty good handle on it, you know, midway through the sec, first half and into the second. was yeah. They were just – they didn't miss anything in the second half. Um, I guess, well, one thing is I'm interested about, like, rebounding, because we knew that was going to be a big uh, issue coming in, how you'd replace Justin Patton and things like that. And even though he wasn't the best rebounder, I guess, um, you know, re- the interior presence is obviously leads to a question mark, which – if you go on the rat, if you go on the rat, go down the rabbit hole. That's obviously rebounding is a byproduct of all the size you might have or don't have. Um, but they're plus twenty through two games. Does that jump out at you at all? Is maybe Not something yet. that you still want to see how they handle some a bigger, power bigger, five bigger of sport. body, yeah.
0: bigger body team, um, a team that has a little bit more veteran experience inside as well. So Northwestern will probably fits that bill. Do you think that's like – will that be the
1: first test for you to see how well they can do It's really
0: Northwestern, UCLA, and Wisconsin or Baylor. Okay. I think we'll know a lot after those three games mm-hmm. um, as far as, like, how, you know, how disciplined is Creighton with its commitment to boxing out, finding guys. Because I think sometimes that, that at least in these exhibition games, in the first two regular season games, I think they've benefited from just being better athletes than sure. their opponent and –
1: um, we know in the Big East it's going to be a nightly thing. Yeah. So it'll be a nightly question. And the good mark, thing for
0: Creighton is, they, I mean, they, because they're so dangerous on on, on the other end, you know, if, if they get a rebound and go, teams are conscious of that. They're not going to mm-hmm. send as many guys to the offensive glasses. maybe they would against another team that didn't pose that same threat. And I wonder, too, if um, we'll see down the road how, how much of an impact this has or not, but because Creighton seems to be um, – more willing to allow, or maybe give more freedom to guys uh, on the wing, Ronnie Harrell, for example. Uh, so when they get the board, they can just go, okay. or they're advancing the ball quicker to one of those guys on the wing. You know, last year it was maybe
1: more incentive to crash and get things done like that. Or? Well,
0: I, I just I think that Creighton last year a lot of times is you grab the rebound, you look for Mo, okay. right? give him the ball, and then they go. Whereas now I wonder if they get they get their sort of fast break their transition game going a split second earlier because the guy who grabs a rebound just turns and goes okay. instead of having to find it uh a teammate which the compounding effect of that threat just creating turning and running will maybe um sort of relieve some of the pressure on them to defensive rebound um as because other teams won't want to crash as hard right because the, the, like, they know
1: uh, yeah as, as it's, it's, it's gang busting this exactly it's, so they'll, they'll they'll want to put more guys
0: back, and there'll be just more of an emphasis to not to not send so many guys on the boards but um we'll see I mean I think it's always it's been a threat it's not like creighton's ability to push tempo is just a, is a new thing that's mm-hmm. what they have always done and and last year obviously they still struggled to grab defensive rebounds or at least to the standard that they wanted um so, yeah, I think, I think to me, it's still a concern until they prove otherwise. Sure. And uh, I'd like to see how they perform against a team that has just a little bit more experience and bigger bodies inside. Yeah, I, look, I,
1: I looked it up, and their best, at any point in the season last year, their highest rebounding margin was plus 23. Um, so, right now, the plus 23-2 games is, you know, it's pretty close to what they were at their very best last year. And I don't think... I think that came after the Longwood game, so Yeah, know, they needed to play an absolute cupcake in the middle of the thing to get to get that plus twenty three. But um, yeah, and I mean when you look at the the they mentioned gang rebounding back way back in the summer that that was gonna be an emphasis for the team. So not to stay on rebounding too long, but I mean you look at Martinez averaging ten and a half through two games. you um, you like to see more out of Toby, he's only averaging two and a half, but if you look at it it's Martinez at ten and a half, Ronnie at six and a half, which is I mean, that's kind of what you would expect out of Ronnie coming out of a six-man role, right? Yeah. That's pretty good. Uh, Mitch is – or Tyshawn is – Tyshawn and Mitch are both averaging three. Tyler Clement's at two and a half. Uh, Kyrie's at three. You figure that's going to go up. Davion's at two and a half. Foster's at two. Hagner's at two and a half. Uh, Mandy's at two and a half in the limited time he's playing. So, I mean – it does seem kind of like if you it's take away, I mean, it seems like it's there's the game rebounding is at least taking hold. Uh, yeah, and the I, guys know.
0: I, I'm guessing Martinez's number is probably going to go down sure. a little bit, but yeah. uh, then you hope, like you said, Kyrie's going up. Right. Maybe Marcus can add a one more, so he's at three a game instead mm-hmm. of two a game. Um, yeah.
1: Well, when you but when, but on to the point you mentioned about the guys that can catch it and go. That's Ronnie with six and a half. That's Tyshawn with three. That's Mitch with three. That's Tyler with two and a half. Marcus at two, Kyrie at three, Mince at two and a half, Caleb Joseph at one and a half. That's all those are all the guys yeah. that you mentioned that as soon as they grab the rebound, it's
0: They have it's, the freedom it's, to it's go. breakaway right. time. Yeah. So I think that I think that enhances Creighton's now they gotta get the rebound, obviously, right, right, but right, if right. you can get it in uh, Coach McDermott mentioned on Friday something about how early in that Yale game they weren't getting clean defensive rebounds they were getting the board but maybe they were fumbling a little bit or just kind of um having to battle because they weren't in the right position to mm-hmm. grab the board uh they didn't establish maybe they didn't get um get out in contact the guy that were trying to box out early enough really embraced that physicality um but once they started getting cleaner rebounds they were able to turn turn and go a little bit faster that extra split second and so it, it just enhances their effectiveness there. So I, yeah, I I think it. Will, I think I counted eight different guys brought the ball up on Friday. Yeah, which is, um, you know, unique. Yes,
1: you don't see that. Very no, much. you don't. No. Um, on to that point, uh, kind of a subplot of that is the four-man rotation of the guys that we've seen as primary ball handlers, um, point guards, and things like that. It's been a big talking point, and people. We do have questions tonight, so I guess we can play off that a little bit. But um, so far, that four-man rotation through two games is at 22 points, um, nine and a half boards, nine and a half assists, only four and a half turnovers, uh, shooting 46% from the field, Um, where's it? 35% from three, 79% from the line. So I mean,
0: that's pretty good, pretty efficient across
1: the board from that four-man group. I know not all of it is at the one because Tyshawn can play off the ball a little bit. Um, certainly Davion played off the ball when Tyler was in the game with him the night um, when Kyrie and Marcus went down but out of that four man rotation being the question mark going into the season that everybody was you know those were the number one topics that we had to deal with all offseason how do you feel about what that looks like so far
0: well I mean yeah I, I mean I guess I'm encouraged by the way they performed I think Ultimately, um, I think that maybe maybe we'll know more after three ga- these next three games, but okay. I think one of the challenges of going with this sort of by-committee approach and using different guys to try to find, uh, say, hey, I mean, this game it really did fit Tyler Clements' skill set to bring him in off the bench and have him, like you've, you've stated, kind of be that calming presence. He, he understands the offense and how to attack a zone. Um, you know just an entry pass into the high post yeah makes a big difference Mm -hmm. and he was able to do that to time it right be crisp with uh his his passes his decision making um it's 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 kind of funny how one guy can really transform the way the ball moves or the way um the offense goes yeah yeah, he he has that ability um but when you're talking about playing uh, northwestern and then going to play ucla and um whether it's wisconsin or baylor It could be three games that have different styles and can Creighton actually identify in the moment the guy that that fits that moment, uh, fits that game? I don't know. Mm. Um, To me, it seems so much more simpler to say, here's our guy, we're going to ride him no matter what. If he gets in foul trouble, okay, then we'll adjust, but this is our guy who's going to get the majority of minutes. Um, I do appreciate what Coach McDermott and the staff is sort of uh, how they've... Approached it because clearly no one's emerged as the guy. They're not just gonna um, sort of you know, identify. Hey, we're just gonna pick this guy because we believe in him. It doesn't mean that he's outperformed the rest of the yeah. other players, but we we think that oh he's the best. We'll just go with him. They haven't done that, and um, so you commend them for it because they they want to reward the guys for what they've um, what they've shown. shown do. Yeah. What they've shown, and and uh, they think that they can mix and match and make it work but it is a little bit of a question i think going into a game or a set of games where it's not you don't quite know what the blueprint's gonna be you know and you don't quite know who if they're gonna show because i just think back to last year and and a lot of times um you know you go into a game thinking well this game might actually fit Davion well. Or but this see, might... the
1: thing is, if all the guys know their roles, not to interrupt you, but if all the guys know their roles, they can also see it too, right? Like, they can see when a game's turning a certain way that they know their, their number's going to be called. And if they all know they have to be ready, then they're kind of just waiting for Mack to just point the finger, essentially. Yeah. So, you know, when Kyrie and Marcus get in foul trouble when they have to come off the floor, you obviously still have Davion in there. Um, but your offense is just crazy right now you're running over people you're not handling the zone pressure right well so who's the guy tyler clement he immediately goes in there and doesn't miss a beat he knows how to break that thing down he knows how to get guys in the right spots he knows how to play he knows how to not dominate the ball first of all which is an important part of his role but he also knows just where the ball needs to be at the right time to break that down to make that an efficient position um davion knows what he's supposed to do when he's the one uh, Tyshawn kind of is – I don't think he knows what he needs to do, but, I mean, he plays with a certain pace that's different than Davion, and Caleb was in there. And I think Caleb had some passive moments early on when he came in the game, but after a quick chat with Mac, I mean, he was, like, flying around like his pants were on fire. Um, so I think they all kind of know what they're supposed to do or at least are figuring it out.
0: The fact that they have kind of declared, hey, we are going to play to your strengths and each each of you – each individual has something to bring mm-hmm. to the table, so be ready because um, we may need you, type thing. Whereas I think last year there it was more of a, it felt like more of a competition almost to mm-hmm. where Creighton was like, we need one guy to, sh- well, will somebody. It please also felt like, a please up. just go figure yeah. that out because right. it's not will, going well. Well, some person yeah. just please take the reins right. and take this job over. Um, whereas because they had a whole offseason to evaluate, maybe they've been able to shift sort of the expectation level for all the guys and to your point perhaps that allows them to be a little bit more comfortable and assertive when they get their playing time because they know that hey this isn't my only shot I'm not just playing for my life here playing for my job exactly like I the have mistakes right. in
1: and out yeah yeah. right
0: it's it's this is my role and I'm I'm here to, I'm here to do a job mm-hmm. um maybe maybe that works I'm still a little skeptical we'll fi- yeah, well, yeah. So we're, we're gonna
1: <laughs> we're gonna find out it's not Yale and Alcorn State the rest of the schedule. Yep. Um, I wanted to talk about Marcus for a little bit, if you wanted to, But before we get to our questions, but if there's something else you wanted to you add nah. on top of your head. Because, uh, I mean, it's going to be – I think we'd be doing him a disservice based on what his career looked like coming in and what he's done so far through two games. Obviously, 8 of 9 from the field today, 5 of 6 from 3. Um, but, I mean, if you – I'm just going through all the way back to Minnesota – just on our sample size of five games so far, averaging 21.2 points per game, shooting 64% from the field, 57% from three, 83% from the line. I mean, as efficient as we've seen him, as efficient as I think he needs to be, maybe. Maybe that's a little bit over. I mean, mean, that'll that'll normalize eventually. Yeah, I was going
0: to say that's higher than I expected.
1: But I mean, he's obviously a different player this year. He looks like he's in better shape. He looks like he's maybe, I don't think we've talked to him about NBA very much lately, but motivated maybe to make the most of what this senior season is like because he looks like a different player than he was at this point last year
0: i mean yeah i I thought he he flipped the switch in may or june um i remember talking to him after he decided to come back and he said something along the lines of like i really respect those guys like josh hart um uh, who's a kid out of kansas Uh, frank Mason
1: Frank Mason yeah Um are going to say Perriella No, no <laughs>
0: Like just the veteran Top dogs on the team The guy that The alphas mm-hmm. That you know like They've been there for four years And everyone on the floor If if a game's on the line They go into them They set the tone They do more than just score They bring Sort of everyone with them Um, Like he watched those guys play And finish out their careers On a high note And it was like That's what I want And so I think sure he wants he'd love to fire up 30 shots a game that's his nature but he also knows that's not the best formula to for this team to do well and he wants i think he's really bought into that idea um it's been impressive for for, through two through two games so uh he's gotta if he can keep that up he's gonna have a phenomenal season Mm -hmm. there's no question about that i I, I look at the line and I'm, I'm astonished by it. I, I know. He only shot less than 10 I, shots twice last year in games. And I can guarantee you, I didn't look at the final point total, but I can guarantee you he didn't have 23 in know. those games. And, and I think, we probably would
1: have been asking him questions about being passive after those right, games, you know, right?
0: It just seemed to flow pretty naturally yeah. for him. And then I think the other thing is, I think he shot better than 60% just
1: twice last year. So he's already done that? So he's already done that twice. Okay. Yeah.
0: So definitely put the work in. It's showing. Can he keep it up? I mean, yeah. Hey, talked it.
1: about his shot mechanics a little bit after tonight's game, so I mean, there's more to it than just motivated Marcus. It's it's actually a, yeah. something he's worked at. Um, so yeah, we got a couple of questions now. Uh, it's funny because we did come in tic tac toe, but that's one of the questions we got. So
0: the fan promotion tic tac toe. <laughs> yeah.
1: So at Mister Myers one and Fake Blue Crew actually asked us about tic tac toe.
0: Um, Someone asked me about that over the weekend, and I was like, honestly didn't even see it the
1: first game. Yeah, but. it looks pretty awful. I mean, I'm, for, the first thing I noticed is like those guys clearly don't know direction, because it's, <laughs> it's not that hard to find that spot. It's literally, as you're looking at it, it's to your right, to your left. I think like This kid's trying to find the right spot, and he's going to his left, I and feel he's like off the screen. The, it's kind of chaos. The idea of it
0: makes sense. Okay. But it's just it's just too hard to execute.
1: Well, when you get guys who are confused out there, it looks it's like okay. So now you're waiting forever for them to just mark the spot and then go shoot on layup mm-hmm. and race. Like I feel like they when they get confused that just that like bogs the game down and fans are like okay.
0: There's one point when they have the little screenshot and they they put the the you know, the tic-tac-toe board on there. Uh-huh. And the both guys were off the screen. Yeah,
1: because they can't figure <laughs> out which way to go. I so just, I think uh, Mr. Myers one wants the media to do it, but I don't think we're going to be participating in that. And actually, a media really tic tac to toe challenge. Yeah, exactly. I know. I know for sure. I know my directions right and left, so I wouldn't get confused. I wouldn't be off the board, is what I'm saying. Basically, that was I'm calling out the fans tonight that were off the board. I wouldn't be. You'd they, see me on the screen the at screen. least.
0: They did yeah. go off the screen. Um, yeah, I feel like it's not, it's a nice try. You you, you appreciate the ingenuity, um, the inventiveness, but that that, that one might yeah. might might need a new promotion. They could
1: probably like think of they maybe, maybe that could be workshop, workshops with more creative ideas. If they didn't play that again, it'd be alright. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> the next one, our next question is uh, more I about mean, they can do related. hangman. What other
0: games could they do? could they do a hangman that wouldn't make any sense?
1: Would you do? How would you do basketball wise like shots maybe? Yeah, and that would be like certain like an arm a leg and things like that. Right. Okay. I don't know if that makes
0: any sense either. No. I'm clearly I don't need to be in in uh, these meetings, but
1: yeah, we haven't had much time to brainstorm ideas. It's just that was the spur of the moment right there. Right?
0: That was. Spur- I wonder. I mean, why can't you just do an old fashioned around the world? What's wrong with that?
1: I know, right? Well, I mean, well, that's what most of them were like. Where they would put the five spots on the floor. And, yeah. They'll just get too old for people. I don't know. Maybe. Well, I it I is don't kind know. of funny,
0: I will say, when when you have those guys playing those games and fans are getting frustrated <laughs> with their inability to uh, uh, to, perform. to line up. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, it's funny because there's timeouts going on and fans are like booing and yelling yeah. <laughs> and I imagine the people are in the, the teams in the huddles like, going, "What's going on around?" That's what I
0: was doing. I was looking looking at a box score and all of a sudden looked up like, "What is everybody so upset about?" It's <laughs> the it tactile funny. promotion. I
1: figure like the marketing people probably feel the worst about that because they're like, "Oh my god, these guys aren't doing it right." Right.
0: Like this is not how we drew it up. right, like, you try to yeah. explain it as best as possible, but
1: uh-huh. yeah, they're probably like six beers in and stumbling <laughs> all over the place. It's not a good situation. Props to the marketing guys, though. Keep it up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Our next question is basketball related. Uh, at Austin J Spillane, Spillane. I hope I'm saying that right. I apologize if I'm not. Um, we did talk about the point guard situation a little bit but he's wondering if uh, this Caleb Joseph role we've seen so far through two games as far as being maybe the third or fourth option off the bench um, and is is something that we'll see going forward if he's just kind of a, a reserve at this point and if Davion is the guy with the green light I honestly I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. Because as we I, talked about, it it also it's, I think just, it's, it's going to be pretty where,
0: fluid. I think it's going yeah. to change. I think these four guys will flip-flop and cycle as the season progresses. At this point, Davion seems like he's played the
1: most consistent out of sure. all of them and been maybe the most productive. So we've seen two different types of Davion. We saw him being very efficient not turnover prone facilitator against Yale. You know he was running things pretty well, playing off of Marcus and Kyrie. And then tonight he was different when Marcus and Kyrie went out. He was more aggressive, looking for his shot. Um, you know he certainly wasn't perfect like he was the other night, but he was. You know he he was confident in the three ball and the jump shot, and he was also confident going to the hole and things like that. So we saw two different types of Davy on the night, but I think they're the types of players he's going to have to be at certain times. Yeah. And I don't. I think he's getting more comfortable as a starting point guard.
0: I actually think that it might. We've talked about this how. We we think that it might benefit Davion if he did come off come off the bench. Mm-hmm. He really hasn't been able to come off the bench in his career. No, and I think his the pace that he plays with his um, uh, sort of energy that the, he's got athleticism and burst. I really think he could be a nightmare for opponents when he's coming in four or five minutes into the game, have, being able to sit and see the floor, kind of get a feel for how the game flows going, and then he can sort of attack mm-hmm. and build off what the front top line unit has already done. But um, there's been no reason for anybody to get minutes ahead of him so far. So why well, why not just allow him to start the game with that um, with that threat? So,
1: and when you look at the minutes breakdown, I guess. So, tonight it was Davion 21, Tyshawn 19, Tyler 19, Caleb 11. Caleb's obviously in garbage time, but um, the other night it was Davion 19, Tyshawn 12, Tyler 6, Caleb 4. So, yeah, I guess through two games right now, I mean, it doesn't look like the hamstring is still a problem for Caleb. I mean, he's very explosive. So, I think the the thing is that, yeah, he's just – I
0: think he he's wished, just behind the other guys yeah, he, right now he, he missed time in the preseason yeah. which was crucial a crucial evaluation time assessment sort of getting yourself into the mix learning the playbook and knowing how to run the team he missed a lot of that yeah and that's when I think Davion started putting together more consistent showings and practice and gained the coach's trust and so he's getting rewarded with playing time for it um it'll be up to you know, if another player, if, if somebody else outperforms Davion over the course in the next couple of weeks and jumps into that starter role, I guess um, you'll, you'll. That's what because it is kind of like they are kind
1: of is kind of falling into place a little bit. While while the rotation is fluid, as we've mentioned, and I certainly think that's true, because they will go to anybody who they think is the best option. But right now, they seem to let Davion just do what he can, do what he can, and perform like he can. Tyshawn is number two, and then if those two guys are kind of a little bit out of control or maybe having stretches where they're struggling, Tyler is the calling presence, and yeah, right now it just seems like Caleb is the guy who can, you know, come back and do what the other two can do, but
0: right. Tyler
1: seems to be the emergency at this point, and the first two options seem to be Davion and Sean
0: I'd agree with that. Yep. We'll see how long that continues, though. We will. We will. <laughs> like
1: I said, the long season, things are going to change. We yep. certainly know that narratives can switch or injuries can affect things and things like that. So, yeah, it is going to be interesting. But, um, yeah, 30 minutes on Alcorn State. I think we've um, touched on pretty much everything from these two first two games. I don't think we're missing anything. Uh, nothing sticks out to me that we haven't kind of glossed over and gone into depth about. No. Um, obviously, next test will be Northwestern. Uh, next time we, we'll have a different podcast because John will be on the road. Um am covering that in person So you're going to see Are you going to see Duke Michigan State? Possibly, Possibly I'll be in Chicago For that time So yeah You're going to see Kentucky in person maybe See if you got that ranking Wrong in the preseason at all. Right
0: I did. I, I actually have to do Another ranking Tomorrow morning I think Oh you think. Do? So
1: Where's Kentu- I mean, Kentucky will drop They're going to drop They're not like a They're not like a strong 2-0
0: where did you
1: have them In your first one?
0: I can't remember 5 maybe Okay yeah, they're probably going to drop. Do you you are, you are you seeing think, a double digit drop? Or? No, no, they'll be probably eight or nine. Okay. I'd imagine. Yeah, that's and one that looks like it's hard to it's hard to punish. It looks like you. a lot
1: of people missed on that one. Yeah, like, I, I
0: do think that they're actually probably they probably belong in I don't know, it probably seems like they belong in like a 15 to 16 to 17 range, but I've also only seen like 20 minutes of their game against the Utah Valley, so okay. I don't think that that's really a fair assessment. That's, that's true. It's not enough. I don't. I my preference would be not to. My preference would be not to even come up with a preseason poll. I'd w- rather watch like a month of games. Yeah. Uh, but uh, my another preference that I'd have would have be to not have to do another poll after two or three days of action. <laughs> I, Definitely like, not. Right. <laughs> it's like essentially
1: one weekend because you're basically yeah. begging
0: me to overreact, pretty much because there's a few teams I'm going to ask
1: you to overreact right now is Creighton in your top 25 on Monday
0: probably not I uh, know uh, are they no. getting close they're like, getting, what, they're guess, closer. what's your ballot look like yeah they'll be close I mean I, I usually go uh, I'll give I'll rank 25 teams and I'll have a next 10 mm-hmm. and they'll, pro- they'll probably be in the next 10 I think so yeah and then I have like 20 to 30 other teams that oh I'm also God. considering oh like job. just like just a pool of like they're on I mean, their watch
1: they're like red or they're they're flagged how do you keep your sanity man I don't that's know. It's a lot to decipher. Yeah. Like who's better than who this week? At that point, you're just.
0: Which is why I'd like to see more games. <laughs> I like I can't watch all these teams in three days. Well, I know, so. especially with
1: all the travel you're gonna be right. doing. You poor guy. That's Stunt. I don't envy that. Yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, if, I mean, if Creighton beats Northwestern, that's.
1: Does that? Yeah. Does that? that I guess. Would them in the top Because that would your next one would have to be. It'd be have before have to do the another poll before their next game, yeah. right? So yeah.
0: That would be, reason. I I'd actually. I wouldn't be surprised to see Creighton getting a few votes. I was surprised they didn't get any votes in the uh, preseason top 25, considering there were a number of teams that did. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there was like 50 or 48 teams maybe that got at least one vote. So that was a little bit surprising, but... Um, Blame
1: the beat writer for that Yeah I
0: know it could be my fault Jeez, There is like strict guidelines of like Homerism
1: <laughs> Are there really? Yeah That's they pretty do. funny there is, like, So if you like turning about with Creighton number one They would be like no dude yeah, right. <laughs> Stop it
0: Or they just say no more voting for you <laughs> uh, But But I, I, I don't know I, I'm i not afraid to rank Creighton If I think that they are mm-hmm. worthy But at this point
1: What was the highest you ever had in the last year? I thought you were pretty I, – I, I think I remember telling you that your rankings were pretty fair last year, I thought. Yeah. For a guy that has to cover a team that's potentially top ten, potentially uh, – or not potentially top ten, they were top ten, but potentially yeah. top five, maybe a dark horse, final four. I thought you handled that pretty objectively.
0: Yeah, they were – they were seven, I think, as high as they – I don't know if they – I don't think they got to six in my ballot. Okay. Um Had they beat Villanova, that would have done it. That would have put them probably. I mean, I can't remember what where they were ranked at that time. I mean, I feel like they were 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 definitely a top ten team. It was one versus ten. Okay, so I mean, that that would have made it probably like a top five team. I'd I think for me, Mm -hmm. Um, I think I was most mostly with the consensus on Creighton last year, although I didn't drop them as rapidly as everyone else did after as as Maurice, Maurice yeah, went yeah. down but for the losses, on, <laughs> I did I, but maybe I guess I should have but um, that's the way it played well, out that's what I mean I
1: thought you were pretty fair about it the whole time yeah um, alright well this has been fun through what we've done this four times now right is that what it is so yeah it'll so be a while I, before we do it again I think it I'm will Thanksgiving, be so um, but yeah we'll have, we'll have a lot more to assess when we get together the next know, time that'll be uh, good because we'll have we'll see how they've handled some some pretty interesting challenges that come coming up here. Um, but in the meantime, thanks for listening. Uh, wish John well on his road trip here. A safe return, safe travels, a fun experience watching perennial powers go at it if he gets to watch Duke, Michigan State, Kentucky, and Kansas and all that. And uh, we will see you when's our next home game? Thanksgiving. So on day by day. Thanksgiving, S-Y-A-U Edwardsville, Saturday. Thir- Saturday, Saturday after Saturday. Thanksgiving. Yep. All right. All right, sounds good.
0: Later.